We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm Chad Jensen. That's Zach Kelberman. We're here to uh, react in the aftermath of your Denver Broncos' seventh loss, our Denver Broncos' seventh loss, to the Raiders, no less, the sixth straight to the Raiders. They've been swept now uh, three years in a row. But that's not really, Zach, what I want to jump on out of the gates. What I want to talk about is, first things first, a scapegoat was offered to the restless villagers. The mob demanded blood, Zach, and it just so happened to conveniently be Melvin Gordon. Now, that's not to say Melvin Gordon wasn't deserving of getting the axe, but what was your gut reaction to the move? Yeah, I mean, scapegoat to me implies that there's a, a modicum of reason to believe he didn't deserve it. And with Melvin Gordon, he should have been cut at least a few weeks ago, if not a season ago. You know, I've been pounding this drum since 2021 about Melvin that he can't hold on to the football, and that's his chief responsibility. And it's not just that he can't hold on to the football. He's coughing it up in crunch time near the goal line, fourth quarter, whatever, and then to get up there behind the podium and come off indignant or or woe is me or looking for some sort of pity from reporters who are asking about why he's fumbling so much. I just never jived with him personally. He, he was never good enough to justify the negatives to his game. They had to make this move. My question is, was it George Payton kind of uh, wrestling back the steering wheel, so to speak from Hackett, or was it Hackett doing everything he can on the heels of giving up play calling to save his own behind and save his job? That's what I'm struggling with. I think it was just a convenient um, it was just a convenient series of events. Put it this let me put let me put it to you this way, Zach. Honest answer. That fumble Gordon had where Broncos did recover it, but it erased the fact that he had picked up the, the yardage to move the chains, created a fourth down, and then in on the two, three yard line, whatever it was, four yard line actually by the time it was recovered necessitating a field goal attempt, it gets blocked. They don't get any points on a red zone trip. If the Broncos still found a way yesterday, Zach, to win that game, does Melvin Gordon get cut today? 
I don't know. It's a good one. You know, you think it's it's judged on the 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 merits of his game, and it would be regardless his fifth fumble. I mean, he's played in forty one games, or he did play in forty one games with the Broncos, and I believe he coughed it up, I twelve times, twelve times in forty one games. I have never seen a player get more second chances than Melvin Gordon. And again, what's bad enough? It's bad enough fumbling. What makes it worse is he even said yesterday, you can hear the quote for yourself from the horse's mouth. He goes, it wasn't the end of the world. And he goes, it's not like we didn't recover the ball back. It's like, come on, man. The only reason you had a job to this point is because Javante Williams got hurt and your head coach happens to love your smile. If this was any other coach, any other NFL franchise, you would have been on the street weeks ago and you're still coming off like feel bad for me. And, you know, my op- he even said my opportunities dwindled after that fumble. Really, Melvin? Really? You think so? For the fifth time this season, I, the 12th time overall, I, I never really got on board with him. He was always overpaid. He was always a good but not great running back. When he was good, it was tolerable. But he's not been good this season. What is he averaging? 3.4 yards a carry, three and a half yards a carry. It didn't justify keeping him around. And that it took till November 21st for the Broncos to realize their error says a lot. All I'm really trying to sketch out here is, A, you know, it's not a mutually exclusive topic. The Denver Broncos needed a scapegoat, and it just so happened that Melvin Gordon was deserving. And so out the door he went. And it's... I agree with you 100%, Zach. It's overdue. He's cost him. Again, it's a team game. You can go down that road of philosophy and talk about how there's 11 guys on each side, but you can look at the Seattle game, fumble on the goal line. The first Raiders game, fumble returned for a touchdown uh, that swung the momentum fully away from Denver, and then this last game. So if not for the foibles of Melvin Gordon, there's an argument to be made that the Broncos are 6-4. Uh, and four. Believe it or not, Sam Bam, what's good, big dog? He says, uh, thank you for that super chat. I really don't understand, he says, why the Broncos can't be good as if they've been truly cursed since Peyton retired. I just don't get it. Go Broncos, let's ride. I feel you, dude. I feel you. That's something that we, Zach, we've been joking about on this show for a while now is, you know, the price to, to win Super Bowl 50, maybe uh, Elway mortgaged not only his soul, but that of the Denver Broncos. I, I, why they can't be good? I think it starts at the top. You know, we talk about the the Broncos misses with uh, quarterbacks in recent seasons, but as Chad and I kind of uh, postulated in recent years, I think it has to do with the coaching hires. You can't get that wrong consistently and expect to field a winning product, no matter who's under center or no matter what your roster looks like, until they solve that head coaching position with a quality applicant you know, a quality candidate for the job, you're going to continue to be mired in this purgatory the Broncos find themselves in. I want to grab this comment real quick, Scott, before uh, we jump to these very deserving super chats, because I think this is a topic, a little segue here, Zach, a topic burning on the minds of Broncos country. I'm the man says this year of suck will be worth the return on the rest of Russell Wilson's time in Denver. So in other words, Broncos fans, everybody were suffering through the growing pains and the transition period of Russell Wilson now. We're, we're, we're taking those fiery darts now. We're making the investment. We're planting the seed now to reap the returns in the future. It's actually a hopeful message. What do you think, Zach? It won't matter if Russell Wilson is indeed washed 
or broken or damaged goods or a lemon, whatever word you want to associate with him, if he's really shot and the Broncos are stuck with him, I don't really think it matters all that much, any other circumstance around him. But if he's not, if he still has game left to him, and I think he does, if you watch yesterday's game, he made some throws that were vintage Russell Wilson. It shows that there's this old dog can still hunt, but when you, you have to hunt with him correctly, you have to do it the right way and you can maximize his value, maximize his ability. It's all coming down to number three going forward. Everything the Broncos do revolves around their quarterback. And if you go with the notion and go with the assumption that there's more left in his tank, they can be good in the future, but they're going to have to set it up like Seattle set it up and put the right offense around him, the right head coach with him. And Russell, you know, not to um, make him immune to blame, he has to look in the window or the window, the mirror, and be more of a team player, less of a robot. He has to accept some coaching and kind of change his play style in this part of his career if he indeed wants to win outside of Seattle. If nothing else, Russell Wilson, by the way, Plum Bob, love you, big dog. Says another year in the trash. Will it ever end? Keep your chin up, brother. We do appreciate that super chat. If nothing else, Zach, Russell Wilson has proved that despite. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A lot of people, including us, thinking that he could be on the level of a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady or... We'll see if he ends up having maybe a similar path of a Kurt Warner. Took, took a little time for Kurt Warner to turn the ship around in Arizona. Um, but to be a quarterback who had a ton of success and built arguably a Hall of Fame caliber uh, resume in one NFL city, Zach, for over a 10-year period, to go to that new landing spot and just continue making hay, he's proved that one of two things are true. Either he's not on that same level, all right, as a Brady, as a Manning, as a you could even throw a Stafford in there or that the place he landed and the supporting cast, and that includes the coaching staff and the overall culture and environment wasn't on the same level as say the 2012 Broncos, the bucks from a couple years ago, the Cardinals way back when, 
and the Rams last year, certainly. Yeah, just my opinion. I've watched Russell Wilson over the course of his career when he was in Seattle. To me, he was a, a very good quarterback, but he was never even at his peak a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning. To me, he was always a step below them. So anyone who was expecting him to come in and look like Peyton Manning, that's on us for having those expectations and putting it on Russell Wilson. It was going to be way more of a learning curve than we anticipated. Russell Wilson was not going to look as good as we thought. Same for Nathaniel Hackett. But to expect him to waltz in here and be PFM part two was just unreasonable. They've never been a similar type of quarterback and expecting him to turn into that now at age 34 is a fool's errand to quote yourself, Chad. Garth Knight, big dog. Appreciate you, my friend. He says this Melvin Gordon move was viable whenever he started running like an offensive lineman. Pardon me. The fact that the coaches stuck with him was embarrassing. I agree, but there is at least Zach some gridiron logic to it in the sense of, okay, I'm not making excuses for them, but I'm trying to be as empathetic as I can here, put myself in their shoes. They lose Javante Williams for the season. Uh, They lost Demarie Crockett before the season. A Zigbo, not quite ready. Uh, They bring in Latavius Murray, solid. Marlon Mack hasn't been ready to go. It's not like they've, they've had a who's who of, viable options behind him now that's i'm not honestly i'm not trying to make excuses for him all i'm saying is when you're stuck in the moment and you're a coach and you're grinding through a season and it's not going your way and you're kind of too close to see so to speak it's at least understandable how they could let it slide as long as they did i don't agree with it but trying to put myself in their shoes and you get caught up and he's a pro and he's a pro bowler i still think after that raiders game the Raiders' first Raiders game was when the true colors came out, and that's when they should have known what was what. I don't know, man. Maybe we just disagree on Melvin. Maybe I, I disprove of him a little more than you do. But even going back to last season, Chad, I mean, look at the Eagles game when Teddy Bridgewater, wasn't that a Melvin Gordon fumble that yep, Teddy didn't go for? I yep. mean, he's consistently cost the Broncos victories. He's directly led, not just contributed to, directly led to the Broncos losing multiple games. And you could talk about injuries and you can talk about the fact that he's the best pass protecting back on the roster. Well, someone had a video on Twitter showing Melvin Gordon blow a block in mm-hmm. horrible fashion yesterday. They say he's the best pass catching back uh, last week against the Titans. He dropped a crucial pass. There's no value to Melvin. That's the question I pose to everyone, including yourself, Chad. Does it have to be? If they're going to have a committee, if they're going to have a number two behind a healthy Javante, why did it have to be Melvin Gordon when he's shown you who he is? As opposed to a running back like Latavius Murray, who hasn't fumbled, I think, 900 touches. Compare that to Melvin. He's fumbled five times this year, and he wasn't even a starter to open the year. That was Javante. So they held on way longer than they should have. And not cutting him the first time and doubling down and making him the starter – and Hackett bending his knee to yeah. Melvin Gordon, that showed a lack of accountability and a lack of being heavy-handed when you have to be. You have to put your foot down sometimes, and I think it came way too late uh, in regard to Melvin Gordon. I agree that in the the Raiders, the first game, so that was week four, I'll remind everybody that was also the game we lost Javante Williams, and we expected, or at least we were half-hoping, right? We are it was like flip a coin 50-50 that when we heard from Nathaniel Hackett when they got back to Denver that next Monday morning that he was going to say, 
yeah, we've we've uh, we're done with Melvin Gordon. He's gone. Javante, he's done for the season. We're gonna have to. No, no, no. That's not how it shook out. As you said, he doubled down. It sucks we lost Javante, but we're moving forward. And by the way, yeah, the fumbles. It sucks for Melvin, but he's our starter now. So rah rah, sisk boom ba. Lawrence, what's up, bro? He says, "What up, guys? Worst day ever for me in my life at work." Oh, well, it's over. It could be worse. At least I didn't get fired like Gordon. Well, dude, hope things improve for you, my friend, especially on this week. Um, so uh, much love and respect to you, Lawrence. Yeah, I hope you uh, have a great uh, Thanksgiving if we don't hear from you before then, Lawrence. Austin's comment about those Peyton pictures, Zach, are about to be released from uh, Gordon. <laughs> He's about to to set it loose. Uh, silent one. What's up, brother? Appreciate you. He says, I'm indifferent about Hackett still being here as of today. Very disappointed that Peyton wasn't shown the door yet, though, cleaning house. I really think, I mean, I could be wrong because, again, the Walton Penner group come from the, the Walmart thing. You know, they're kind of black and white capitalists in the sense that, look, you either did the job, uh, you excelled or you didn't. It wouldn't completely shock me if this season com- devolves to where it's a three, four, five win season and George Payton gets the axe. But I doubt it. I really think uh, when it comes to the Broncos' decision makers at the end of the season, Hackett's going to be the ultimate scapegoat. Peyton's going to get one more swing. Oh, we lost Zach. We'll get him back. Don't worry. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. I, I just don't think you, sh- you should kind of have your expectations, silent one, oriented uh, toward Peyton being shown the door. Uh, shout out to David Wilder in the house. What's up, brother? Zach's back in the saddle. Um, David says, uh, I'm glad Gordon was cut, although it was way too late. Indeed. All good on your end, Zach? Yeah, I had a microphone issue. When I move the mic, the cord comes out, and that's that. I have to restart the tab. But I want to say about George Payton, I think it would be – I don't know how this has become an unpopular opinion considering he was hailed as a god just like six months ago. It would be a grave mistake to fire Payton along with Hackett. He has done way more good than bad in his role as Broncos GM. He has restocked the cupboard. Talk about injuries all you want, but the nucleus of the team has been built on George Payton draft picks. Great eye for talent, aggressive when he has to be, turning over every rock. No one blamed him for going out and hiring Hackett, an energetic, offensive-minded coach. No one blamed him at all for going after Russell Wilson and making that trade happen. No one could have thought both would have been as bad as they are to date. The only thing I really knock Peyton for, I guess two things, is paying Russell Wilson before the season started. But once again, you could have never assumed he was going to look that bad. And the second was my criticism with Elway is ignoring the offensive line. But George Payton, there was a reason why he was a rising exec for so many years, almost a decade in Minnesota. And there's a reason why we were all so high on him before the year. I would not get rid of him at all. Well, I think it ends up shaking out, honestly, guys, for George Payton, kind of in the same way it did for his mentor and best buddy, Rick Spielman, the former GM in Minnesota, who survived multiple head coaching changes in the front office head coaching changes and head coaching failed head coaching hires that his fingerprints were on it. The, the last straw was Mike Zimmer's uh, failure to launch last season. And he got shown the door along with it, but he survived 10 seasons, multiple head coaching changes. Garth Knight. What's up? Big dog he says, uh, why the F and thank you. That's number two tonight. Why the F can't the Broncos figure out Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs. They look like Marvel DC superheroes and only against the Broncos. I don't know about only, but I feel you like they their best performances, no doubt, Garth, come against the Broncos. 
And you would think that Zach in the in the preparation, the game planning, and the study leading up to that matchup, that the offense would have a plan for Max Crosby, and that the defense, especially up front, would have a plan for Josh Jacobs. But here's what I submit to you: when the offense is so underwater, they're swimming so badly. Being able to single out and isolate a single guy, a single threat to your to your offense. That's like beyond them right now. They're just like holding on for dear life, and it's sad. Well, for years, the Broncos have neglected the offensive line, specifically right tackle. And when you're on your third string right tackle, Max Crosby's going to feast. He's a really, really, really good player, and he hurts a lot of other teams, not just the Broncos. But when you're not defending him adequately, that's what happens. Same with Josh Jacobs. For so many years now, the Broncos' run defense has been leaky, especially up the middle. They tend to struggle with uh, power backs not named Derrick Henry. And Josh Jacobs is one of the, the most premier power backs in the NFL. So, yeah, they own the Broncos, so to speak. But there's always those players in the division, especially, that just come out against your team. Was it Mitchell Schwartz for Kansas City who always locked down Vaughn? Was it him? Mm-hmm that I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of. There's always a guy or two that you play twice a year that just has your number. Unfortunately, Jacobs and Crosby now do. And Derek Carr, you got to throw him into that conversation. Unfortunately, based gaze, been with us a long time. Uh, Really uh, loving your YouTube profile pick, Big Dog. He says, first question, Dan Quinn or Frank Reich, Zach? And then he says, second question is, what's going on with our special team? So what are your thoughts on Dan Quinn or Frank Reich, who, for what it's worth, Nick Sirianni, like, went to bat following the the Eagles game, dude, where he was asked about Frank Reich being being, uh, fired in Indy, and he made it clear that he thought that was a huge mistake and that Frank Reich is one of the greatest coaches uh, he's ever been around. The answer here is Sean Payton. Because if you can get Sean Payton, I mean, you'll have the money to and you have the capital now with that first-round pick. He should be your number one target. But failing him, I got to assume – that Dan Quinn still has the edge because he narrowly beat out Hackett for the Broncos job this time around Hackett really, excuse me, George Payton really loved Dan Quinn and they can't go back to that first time. Well, you know, they can't go back to a rookie head coach. Dan Quinn was a couple Kyle Shanahan running plays away from winning a Super Bowl. He had a pretty good team in Atlanta. I'm sure Scott can talk more about that. Um, Frank Reich, I think he'd be a terrific – like, if you hired Dan Quinn as head coach and got Frank Reich as OC, that, to me, is the winning way to go. You need experience and leadership on the coaching staff. But as head coach, I don't know, man, distant third behind Peyton and uh, Dan Quinn. Yeah, I'm I'm all ears on Dan Quinn. I was a little too zealously uh, – what's the word? Blinders on offensive-minded guy, offensive-minded guy, offensive-minded guy. I think and a lot I, of us were – I freely admit the error of my ways, not to say, I mean, we weren't in those meeting rooms. We don't know how these conversations and the interviews took place and who really put together a wow type of plan because it's not like George Payton is in, in uh, Patrick Smythe and Joe Ellis and even John Elway as a consultant. They're not suckers. Like they can tell if it's for real. They can tell if it's fool's gold somehow along the way, Zach Nathaniel Hackett must be a damn good salesman because his holy crap, I'm not going to use the word he used because this family friendly show, but holy SH, right? When Russell Wilson's hired and the uh, just the weird stuff, you wonder how he presented in these interviews that so made him the guy, you know, like how he postured himself. 
Obviously, he bonded in some way with George Payton. I think that was really the final difference. But my answer to that, if you put me in in a corner of Frank Reich or Dan Quinn, I'm not sure yet. And it might sound crazy because Frank Reich just got fired. But talk to me in a couple of months or in a month and a half. DeAngelis, what's up, big dog? It's great to see you. He says, painful season, gentlemen. It really has been. But you know what? As much as it sucks, I'm not going to lie. I still love watching Broncos football. I still love showing up to these podcasts and talking about all the the dirt, the, the joys, the, the triumphs, the depredations, the failures, and everything in between. So it sucks, but we're commiserating. We're getting through this together. Deanna, wow. Big baller, super Thank chat, you, two nights in a row. Seriously appreciate you, my friend. You are rapidly becoming a bona fide super chat superstar. She says, so happy Gordon is gone. Next, they need to fire Hackett, hashtag MHH for life. Zach, last night I wrote an article reading after I talked to a few people, read a few things from, from around the web. I'm like, you know what? Nathaniel Hackett watch begins at Broncos HQ. Being at the podium today made it clear he's in for at least another week. I think they're not going to fire him in season. I think if he's fired, it's going to be sometime in January after well, that go- last game. Sorry for cutting you off. Uh, to go back to a previous point about Hackett getting the head coaching job, I would say that you know he was fortunate to interview after the Vic Fangio experiment, and Fangio was such a curmudgeon and so I don't know negative True. or you know True. just I don't know not a very excitable person. Yeah, it brings back PTSD. So so if you're George Payton, you're talking to someone like Hackett who gets like orgasmic over a running play, that <laughs> would, you know, tend to warm you up on a personal level. But my only argument against that is isn't Dan Quinn just as excitable? I'm sure in yeah. that interview he must have been um, you know, having the same energy that Hackett shared. The difference you know what the was, difference is? Oh, sorry. We just we jinx. We just jinx each other. Now finish your thoughts since we jinx. Go on. The difference, the difference is was- with Dan Quinn, you weren't you weren't given a shot of landing Aaron Rodgers. And I think that was the original plan. It was supposed to be a package deal. And then when Aaron stayed in Green Bay, they had a pivot. And that's why Hackett stuck with a quarterback now, Chad, that doesn't fit his coaching style. I think another difference, not in terms of uh, why the Broncos ultimately went with, with Hackett, but in terms of the difference between them as coaches, aside from their obvious areas of expertise, one's defense, Quinn, one's offense, Hackett, is that, Hackett, or pardon me, Quinn is known for being bringing that um, Farvian joy for the game thing and being a player's coach. Uh, but he's also got more of a reputation for being taken as a serious person. You know what I mean? Where Hackett, I'm not sure, does or is. Yeah, another thing that about Deanna's comment about having Hackett fired, I agree with Chad that if they weren't going to fire him after yesterday's game getting swept by the Raiders, they cut Melvin Gordon and said, it seems like they're giving Hackett till the end of the year. But ask yourself this, two things. If you lose to Carolina, how do you, why not rip the Band-Aid off then? Carolina's the worst team in the NFL. If the Broncos fall to that depth where they can't even beat that team on the road, then there's no point in keeping Hackett around. My second question here is, and this is a quote I'm going to read first. Hackett took the podium today. He was asked about not calling plays and giving that duty to Clint Kubiak. This is what the head coach of the Denver Broncos actually said. Quote, I lost my voice a little bit. A lot of the time, I didn't know what to do. He said he hit the button to try to talk to Wilson before realizing he couldn't talk to him since Clint Kubiak was the one communicating with uh, Russell Wilson. So the head coach, stripped of play calling duty, supposed to be the head coach of the entire team, he is openly admitting 
He did not know what to do on the sideline. He pretty much fired himself when he was either forced <laughs> to give up play calling duties or voluntarily gave them up. But there is no point in keeping him around. You can make the case you should have fired him today. You can make the case you, you should definitely fire him if they lose to Carolina. I still think Peyton is going to be patient and give it till the end of, end of the season. Something my dad taught me a long time ago when it comes to leadership and management, usually by, by way of uh, anecdotes, right? Telling me stories, give me examples here and there, is that when in a leadership position, when you do have to fire somebody, reality is when it gets to that point, that person has fired themselves. And that's what's going on. I like that that verbiage that you use, Zach, because it's true. Like Hackett is week by week firing himself. Phil, appreciate you, brother. Great to see you. Good evening, Priest and Deacon Scott, he says. I guess Gordon was the scapegoat for Hackett. Someone's head had to roll. Go Broncos, MHH for life. I do agree with that. Again, that's not to say Gordon wasn't deserving of being cut. Zach and I have been basically wondering about that since week four. All right? I'm just telling you that if the Broncos found a way to win that game, I'm not certain they cut Melvin Gordon today. I'm not certain. But because they lost it and that negative uh, upswell, you know, the, the, the clap back from media and fans, the villagers demanded blood. And so that was just a convenient. Maybe, maybe you're right, Zach, that scapegoat is the wrong word for this. It's just more of like the convenient um, turning of events. Whoa, Dutch is throwing down from on high. Thank you, Michaela. This is why she's, she's near and dear to our hearts. One of our favorites. Definitely. MHH Mount Rushmore, Super Chat Superstar. Love you. Thank you, Michaela. We've missed you the last few days. Hope you've been well. Hope things are good in your neck of the woods. She says, hashtag speechless. I really don't know what I can say. Much love to the MHH fam. She's speechless, but she jumps in to throw down. Help us keep the lights on here at MHH. Michaela, love you. Thank you so much, Michaela. And uh, just to go back to Melvin Gordon for a second, if they would have won the game and he would have fumbled and they would have kept him, I think that would have sent a poor message too, that if you don't do your job, it's acceptable. If you have a certain name value or you have a certain cachet behind you, if you fail at your job consistently, there's going to be no reprimand or no punishment. It reminded me of Isaiah McKenzie. How many times did he fumble on a punt return before the Broncos finally said, forget this, I'm not wasting any more time? Melvin Gordon still has people out there defending him for not doing his sole job. And, and that extended his, his fandom extended to the Broncos head coaching ranks. And you can't ever put one player ahead of the team. That's why I don't think scapegoat works. I think it's a legitimate release. It's a legitimate outcome. It's justified in every way you can spin it. It'd be the same thing if they would have picked up a tackle off the street and Russell Wilson would have got sacked four times because of him, I would expect them to cut him and hold him accountable for his performance. Five fumbles, there is no point in keeping him around. There's no point in two fumbles, Chad. That's his sole job, and he failed. You know, you just triggered something in my mind on the subject of finally a head rolls, right? Finally, the leadership, the brain trust of the Broncos are signaling to the whole organization that there is a cost for dereliction of duty, and so I am interested, since this is the first time we've really seen this kind of a message move made, I'm trying to think last year. I don't think George Payton in year one 
had one of these type of like that was so bad you're gone type of moves, especially a marquee player with some cachet like a former Pro Bowl running back in Melvin Gordon. It's certainly the first time this season with Nathaniel Hackett. I'm curious to see if it puts any pep in the step of these players who, frankly, they when the chips are down these last few games, man, when the chips have been down, they look like the least interested dudes on planet Earth to be playing football right now. Nacho, appreciate you, big dog. Shouldn't be, shouldn't we be hearing from George Payton? Is this deliberate silence from him the right move? I would love to hear from him as long as he's not BS. Well, GMs are not obliged by NFL mandate to make themselves available to media uh, at any point really during the season outside of their own whim, their own purview. George Payton did make himself available on the London trip, which is unusual. He did make himself available after the trade deadline when, when Chubb was dealt. Uh, that's that's him doing something he didn't necessarily have to do. But unlike coaches and players who are mandated to uh, have media availability, George Payton's not bound by those same uh, rules, so to speak. But is Nacho, Zach, does he have a point here that maybe Payton needs to be try and get, in, get out in front of this a little bit and take some of these fiery darts? No, I don't know, because like you mentioned, they have a uh, a non-committal obligation. I, I, I don't know what else what other words to say about it. They're not required, like you said, to speak to the media. They hold like landmark press conferences. The next time we hear from Peyton might not be till the end of the year, and that's a scheduled press conference. But if you jump out in front of it and start making yourself the headline, you're undercutting your head coach who's supposed to be the one that's defending these decisions. Again, it all boils down to what was the genesis of the Gordon move? I, we all know it's because of the fumbles, but was it Hackett stepping up and finally cutting ties with his boy to try to save his own job? Or was it Peyton stepping in and saying, listen, Nathaniel, we're going to cut this guy um, going over your head on this one. He is no longer an asset to the team and you have to live with it. If it's the latter, then Peyton in due time will come out and explain that move. But to do it now would, I think, show all of his cards. And if there's one thing Peyton does not like doing, that's showing his cards. Garth, thank you, buddy. Number three tonight, he says, can the Broncos sign Josh Jacobs next year or will the Raiders franchise him? Ryan Slavic and I want to know. I'd pay him I can't if I believe, was Vegas. Zach, I can't believe they didn't fifth-year option this dude. But he is going to be a free agent next year. They could franchise tag him, but I don't think they will, Zach, because uh, just on some quick research, it's going to cost them about – it would cost them about $12 million for one year for Josh Jacobs on a franchise tag based on some very quick research I did. Uh, so there's a little margin for error there. But he's damn good. So it, should the Broncos sign him? If you can get him in Denver, I'd be all about it, dude. But um, they could also try and just extend him in season and avoid – him hitting the market and avoid having to even decide on a franchise tag. Sign him to the Broncos so what he can get hurt after five games. I mean, you already have one injured running back coming back in Javante. I would love for Jacobs to be out of the West and for him to go elsewhere. But if I'm Vegas, I am handing that dude a bag. He shows up every Sunday. He's the one constant on that Raiders offense that just does his job. And he's quietly having a major massive season. I'm a big Jacobs fan. Scott's saying it's more like $14 million for a running back. So somewhere in that neck of the woods for a one-year franchise tag. Uh, Lawrence, appreciate you, brother. He says, if we don't get Eric Bieniemy this time around, I give up. He's the only guy for our scheme. 
Well, here's the thing to consider, Lawrence. He would be another first-time swing-at-the-plate guy. So, And everywhere he goes, he doesn't get hired. Now, the the rumor out there is that he's just a crappy um, interview in the sense that he doesn't present himself well. Uh, He doesn't bond well with the people in the room. Kind of a, I'm the smartest guy I know type of pitch, so to speak. Um, but what say you, Zach, you want to see Eric be enemy? You know, I, there are those rumors about him interviewing poorly and not having a, a great personality for the job, a la Vic Fangio. But the bigger thing is the Broncos just plucked a rookie head coach who was an OC who didn't call plays. He helped with game planning and he helped with situational stuff and this and that during the week and on Sundays, but he wasn't calling plays. Eric Bieniemy is the number two behind the number one in Kansas City and the number or the number three when you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So you'll wonder how viable Eric Bieniemy would be as a head coach. I just don't think after failing with VJ, failing mm. with Vic, I think failing with Hackett. You can't go back to that well. You have to kind of shoehorn yourself into a position where you need a coach who knows what he's doing and not a guy who's going to hire a coach for the coaches. Hmm. Andrew Lampy, appreciate you, brother. He says, one last thing to hold my breath over. Sorry, Melvin, but Broncos country couldn't take it anymore. Hashtag better late than never. Indeed on that, bro. Better late than never. Um, you know, we lamented also the subject of Hackett in hindsight, right? The fact that we should have maybe been a little more skeptical over the fact that he's coming from a job for the last three years where he was not the play caller. And he's coming in to get the job based on his offensive acumen, hasn't called plays for three years. And let's face it, the majority of his resume that got him the job in Denver, all right, was what the what happened in Green Bay. No one was really going back to Jacksonville and Buffalo and all that. So he got the job based on being an offensive coordinator for three years on a prolific team, on a prolific offense, where he didn't call the plays. Now, I know, Zach, there have been reports that the enemy at certain times, uh, Reed has given him a little bit more. But you still see Andy on the sideline, dude, with the big old play sheet doing his thing. So do you really want to take another chance at a guy who's not only, A, a first-timer, but, B, hasn't called plays? He isn't razor-sharp in terms of testing his scheme against the realities and the vagaries of modern-day, in-the-moment NFL defenses? I think there's a reason why he doesn't have a job as a head coach. He's the OC because when you're stuck in the shadow of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, there are legitimate questions as to whether you are deserving enough to be a head coach. And I just, again, it'd be too much of a mirrored uh, reality when you failed with Hackett to go back to that well and hire a guy who's never been a head coach and he's never called plays. And on top of that, you have the baggage with his personality, his interviews. And wasn't he, didn't he have some scandal at Colorado? Yeah, one that I'd rather not broach on so this there's podcast that too, that's family friendly. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, of course we love you, big dog. We, we don't neglect our UK brethren and sisters, all right? I don't know what's happening to the stars. Uh, we see you. Last night we, we shout. Now listen, on the gut reactions, um, the pod has reached a point on the gut reaction tentpole nights where there are times we can't get to every single uh, star comment or super chat. Uh, but we still, even in those nights where we might not be able to get to every single one, we still do our, our darndest to do that. 
whether it's actually addressing or answering the question or comment or at least flashing it on screen. And no matter what, you get that shout out, that tag on Twitter after. So I hope you saw that last night, brother. We do appreciate you. You're the man, dude. It's uh, We appreciate you being in our community. Garth says, with number four tonight, I got to say, this is the kind of heat Hackett's father took, Zach, in the early aughts, as my grandpa would say, at USC before Pete Carroll was hired. Look it up, young people. It's also the same heat that Paul Hackett, Nate's father, took when he was OC of the Jets. You know, just galaxy brain play calling didn't really fit the, the, the needs or style of his quarterback. So the apple tree makes apples. That's what I've learned in my life, and it seems like Maybe Nathaniel Hackett is a little more like his father than he uh, should be, but we can't hold that against him either. He's his own man. He has his own career. And at least in Denver for this season, he just hasn't made it work with his star quarterback. Deanna, we love you. We appreciate you. Seriously. Number two tonight. She says, glad to see the Duchess coming in again. Great to see you. Love our MHH family. Yes, indeed. The Duchess is seriously uh, the God broke the mold with Michaela Parker. That there is no doubt about that. She she brings joy and uh, light to every conversation, even when she has her doubts on the team or she's down in the dumps and bummed out about what's going on. She always brings that that light with her everywhere she goes. Zach, at the meet and greets when she shows up, man, it's like boom. Okay, now the party can start. Let's go. So we love the ladies in our community. Thanks to each and every one of you. Uh, David says, why did they release, why didn't they, pardon me, release Gordon during the offseason, Zach, when, I mean, they re-signed him, so for what it's worth. Yeah, he was released. He wasn't under contract. It was a bigger surprise to me they would even bring him back at all. And that's when I was asking all of you, why did it have to be Melvin Gordon as the number two behind Javante? Why couldn't it be literally anyone else? Literally anyone. Mike Boone, Divino Zigbo, a rookie, anyone else other than Melvin Gordon, considering what he has been since 2020 and even predating that what he was with the Chargers. And that's a good running back, not a great one, who is prone to fumbling and is a mentally soft football player. That's the book on Melvin Gordon. Definitely mentally soft. That's and just like selfish. And I don't just mean like well, look at it like this. His he comments that his comments last night are a nice little kind of window into the soul of Melvin Gordon. He was more bummed that the Broncos lost how it reflected on him and his fumble than he was about his team dropping their seventh game of the season. That is a perfect example of Melvin Gordon. He's a, another uh, example is doesn't show up to voluntary workouts. Yes. Now, I get it. They're voluntary, okay? But talk to Rod Smith about the meaning uh, and the um, – what's a good word for it? I guess for lack of a better for now, the responsibility of team leaders being there to set the tone in those voluntary opportunities to build team and culture. The Duchess saying with number two tonight because she is Michaela – I'm happy Gordon's gone. Hashtag bye, Felicia. The dude begged to come back to Denver to be in a committee to play with Javante and play with his college teammate, Russell Wilson. He wanted nothing more than to prove himself to the Broncos team and the Broncos community. And you brought up the same point I was going to bring up. He skips voluntary OTAs and voluntary practice finally shows up for mandatory practice toward the end of the offseason program, and he actually admits out loud, pretty much Marshawn lynching it, the only reason I'm here is so I don't get fined. 
is because they would dock me if I miss these practices. That's not a leader. That's the same thing I said when he made those comments. That's a cancer. That's a toxic trait you don't want in the locker room. And what materialized from it? Five fumbles later, he's out of a job. You should have never resigned him in the first place. Hey, I can think of a running back that's never fumbled that mm-hmm. might be out there, maybe to be had by the name of Philip Lindsay. That's right. You know what? We might have been wrong on him, Zach, in the sense that we still thought there was a lot more juice left in uh, that particular fruit to be squeezed out by a football team. I still think there is. I do too. If a team would just say, no, this is our guy, I think that it would, it would, he's a guy that will get you a thousand yards, not a lot more than that. He'll get you a thousand yards a season. He'll get you somewhere around double digit touchdowns if you can keep him healthy. And it wasn't really Zach until his third year that health really plagued him as a player. People will go, Well, but wait a minute. He couldn't even play in the Pro Bowl that rookie year, that unprecedented rookie year because of that wrist injury. Well, what was it? It was either the second to last or last game of the season is the only game he missed. He he missed, I think, two games because of that wrist. Actually, I think it was one. I think it happened in the second to last game. And he missed the last game, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Philip Lindsay, we miss you, big dog. Garth says, bring Jacobs to mile high. I said it, and I believe it. Let's go, Walmart. We all love Javante, but he'll need time to get healthy. It's a good point. I don't uh, disagree with the premise of kicking that, kicking those tires if he ends up actually hitting the market, Garth. But another thing here, Zach, we got to factor into our calculus. There's no guarantee Javante Williams is coming back to anything remotely uh, on the same level as the player he was one snap before that play he got hurt in Vegas because it was, it's quite a complex injury that he suffered. Yeah, I'm a big Jacobs fan, like I said, you know, when he's not playing with the Broncos uh, particularly, but he's a really good running back. It just would be irresponsible to throw millions of guaranteed dollars Jacobs way when you have a quarter billion dollar quarterback that you can't keep upright. And it's not going to matter who's in the backfield, Javante, Jacobs, whoever, if you can't run block and the OL can't run block. So the money and the resources the Broncos have going into 23 have to be about strengthening, fortifying, and upgrading the offensive line. It all starts right there. Jacobs would be a luxury, and right now the Broncos can't afford luxuries. Real quick about Phillip Lindsay, about the Pro Bowl, wasn't it Von Miller who gave him like five grand so he can get his way? He was still living with his parents at the time, Phillip Lindsay. I remember writing that story. Uh, Von did something to help him at make the Pro Like he was in the Pro Bowl. He did something to help with his trip on the Pro Bowl. I don't remember anything more than that. But, but. The, th- the thing about Phil, though, and we're talking about whether he can be the guy for someone, I've kind of sailed the ship on him being an RB1, no doubt, workhorse. Maybe he is too small. Maybe he is too whatever. But he can definitely help your football team in some way. He is an explosive play waiting to happen. But what I like about Phil, you can bet your ass he'd be there for a voluntary practice. He would never say the things Melvin Gordon said. He would uphold his responsibilities as a running back. Never fumbled in his career. Team first player, excitable guy. Any team would be lucky to have him. And right now, the Broncos, like you said, Chad, if there's ever a time to bring him back, I think it'd be right now. Unfortunately, I think that bridge is burned. Antonio, my dog, it's great to see you. Where have you been? It's been a minute. We've missed you. Uh, He says, what happens before we become a playoff caliber team again? Zach, the syntax of that, I'm not exactly sure what he's asking, but What's your what's your stab at answering him? What has to happen for the Broncos to make the playoffs? And it's the same answer we've been talking about for 
five years. They got to get the, the quarter. I think the quarterback, they're stuck with Russ. So we can take quarterback off the table. They have to make as much chicken salad out of Russell Wilson as they can. But coaching, 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 coaching. It, it's, it feels good to say and bad to say at the same time because I can't believe I'm still saying that. But they need an adequate offensive coaching staff, preferably an elite offensive coaching staff to maximize that quarterback and the injury bug. They have to replace Lauren Landau. I'm not going to keep hiding his name or, or protecting him like so many others in Denver media do. He should be fired after the year because it's season after season where the Broncos lose a starter almost every game. 15 players on IR, is it now, Chad? 16, 54, 57 million dollars. It's unacceptable. So you get the coaching figured out, you get the injury situation under control, and you have a nucleus of a roster, including the quarterback, that you can compete with and win with. I firmly believe that. Shout out to the Papa Bear jumping in saying it was a good change, meaning the play calling going from Nathaniel Hackett to uh, Clint Kubiak as a play caller. He says, keep it up, Broncos, as far as better than what it was. Old man, needs uh, he's recouping from a little something-something, so give him some thoughts and prayers. But, Zach, I thought it was interesting, before we grab Lawrence here, that comment from he who fathered me um, reminded me of something that Eric Trickle wrote in his grades piece. Because this year, in his grades, he's including coaches, all right, in the grades. It's, it's always a fun, interesting read each and every week. But he brought up, you know, when you look at the efficacy of the Broncos' offense yesterday, how come they were so good in the first half, right? They didn't punt. They scored 10 points. It would have been 13 or 17 if Gordon doesn't fumble on the goal line at the end, near the goal line. Um, why did it all of a sudden look so different in the second half? Well, he was lauded, was Clint Kubiak, for his, just like his old man and, and his old man's mentor, Mike Shanahan, for the script, being really good on the script. But when the defense starts, or pardon me, your opponent starts counterpunching to your script, do you have a counter counter punch? And that's what separates the Mike Shanahan's. And then of course, even the Gary Kubiak's and the Kyle Shanahan's and all that from the guys who get churned in and out of coaching jobs is they have a counter to the counter punch. I thought it was an astute observation and it's encouraging that at least he had the script part down, Zach. Now you got to figure out how to be better at, uh, at responding, making in-game adjustments, especially coming out of the half if you're Clint Kubiak and he's going to continue calling plays according to Hackett. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I would, I would say it looked a little better to start off the game because like you said, they were employing different things, more up-tempo uh, quick passes under center. That was a uh, rare sight under Nathaniel Hackett. But once the second half starts and the third quarter starts, they don't know what to do. And like you, you put it best. I was trying to think of, is it from the honeymooners? Is it like, what's his name? Is it Stinky or whatever? He goes, I'm going to harm you or whatever. That's that's Nathaniel Hackett's counterpunch. He doesn't have a haymaker. He has a, 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 you know, a dead fish type of uh, jab there. And when you have that uh, hampering you as a head coach and play caller, you're not going to get very far. Let me read to you. I did the research myself yesterday. This is the Broncos' third quarter points in each game this year. Zero, zero, two, zero, three, Zero zero seven zero zero. They have Brutal. not scored more than seven points in a third quarter this season, regardless of opponent and regardless of who's under center for the Broncos. You're 100% right. That's why I feel like it's the scheme 
more than anything else. It's Hackett. It is Kubiak, too. He should. I don't know why everyone's praising him. He's the quarterback's coach. And the Broncos quarterback has failed spectacularly this year. So it's all of the offensive coaching staff. It's Alton, who has, to me, no responsibility. I don't know what he's doing in Dev Valley. It's Hackett, and it's Clint Kubiak. But when you find a coach, play caller, coordinator, whatever, that has a Mike Tyson type of counterpunch, then you're going to win some football games. It is unacceptable completely, no matter who's calling plays, to not score more than a touchdown when you come back from intermission. Well said. Garth Knight with, what is it, number five tonight? Six? I'm losing count, big dog. We appreciate you so much. He says, gentlemen, please respect Latavius Murray's work while having to deal with a knucklehead like MG3 in the same room. Murray's dope, and him and Jacobs would be awesome. I like Murray as a straight – he's proven he can be a a really good north-south power kind of runner for you. The inside zone, he can work in that. The wide zone? He doesn't quite have that lateral twitch, lateral agility. There's a utility to him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying and by the way, the dude doesn't fumble, so there's that too. I like his nose for the end zone when he's when you're in goal line and you give it to Murray. He's he's done well at, at getting you the, the points there. But uh, I also don't want to go overboard. Murray's not the same player he was years ago, and of course he's not. He's a running back. Tolls is taken. It's it's War of attrition, especially for guys that carry the ball uh, like running backs so so much in a game. But what has been your take on Latavius Murray up to this point? I like the fact that I don't have to clench when he's running the football. I, I like that he's dependable and he's he does what he's called upon to do. That being said, though, I mean, he's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. It's like Noah Fant falling forward is what Latavius Murray is getting on each carry. That's not good enough. You know, I want some explosion out of my running backs and not having that explosion and being so one dimensional is killing Russell Wilson, killing the Broncos offense. So I like him that you don't have to worry about him fumbling, but you can't count on more than maybe three, four yards of carry, except in when you're near the goal line from Latavius Murray. He is who he is. By the way, Garth, dude, send us an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Let us let us send you a little uh, something, something as a thank you for how supportive you've been. Um lately especially big dog well we just need your shipping address and and include a t-shirt size we're about out of time we got to get going here soon so any burning questions topics get it in the chat marcus says thank you guys it was said lightheartedly i will have to get twitter now lol mhh for you're on twitter dude you're on twitter maybe you forgot you're on twitter maybe it hasn't survived to like when you switch devices right and sometimes you don't always put the same apps on the next phone or whatever but we do tag you. We do tag you, my my dog. So, yeah, connect on Twitter again, bro. Um, okay, let me see here, Zach. I want to get one here from uh, our Twitch community, from LD Williams saying, Clint Kubiak needs to find a way to get Virgil, Jalen Virgil, and Brandon Johnson involved in the offense. What do you have to lose right now? Yeah, especially with KJ still being on the mend, uh, with Jalen Virgil, they did not they did not really stretch or threaten the Raiders vertically yesterday, Zach. There was one play. Uh, if you're if you're watching the broadcast, they were talking about how in the first half, right during the scripted part, how Russ kept throwing the outlet, right? What not even the check down, but that little tight end out or that slot receiver out, and sometimes running back out. 
pattern and it kept getting them a nice seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 yards. They're moving the chains with that. But then when the Raiders got wise to that in the second half and started covering it, even uh, I think it was Mark Schlereth, yeah, who called the game for Fox Sports was like, now that they're starting to cover that, this is where you make them pay with a double move. And they did one time slightly with that uh, that throw in the second half to um, Kendall Hinton. But you could have used some speed is what I'm getting at here, Zach, from Jalen Virgil, who he was available to you. Why were you not taking any shots downfield? Once again, it's like the whole offense gets constricted down to whatever's happening in the box, and they're still not even making the most of that. Like when's the last time you saw the Broncos really capitalize on a slant, you know? So it's just so many different things not in sync right now, uh, out of harmony. It just it's baffling. Yeah, well, uh, VJ killing the Broncos once again because we're all rooting for the Cardinals in tonight's game against the 49ers, and the Niners just scored a touchdown on VJ's defense. But about Virgil, I don't understand it. I'm looking at the box score. I don't think he didn't have a catch. I don't know if he was targeted or not, Jalen Virgil. But he just had a 60-yard touchdown on his first NFL reception. You think with Jerry Judy being down, K.J. Hamler being down, and Kendall Hinton coming into the game questionable, you'd give Jalen Virgil another chance. But there's really no explaining it when you have someone as incompetent heading the team as you do in Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe he doesn't trust him. Maybe they wanted to make Kendall Hinton a focal point. Maybe they wanted to make Dulcich that focal point. But you need some sort of element of surprise in terms of a speedy receiver and Jalen Virgil offers that to not get him the ball is negligent based on uh, NFL game stats and information that we get access to as media. Jalen Virgil did not receive a target yesterday. Jason Lang wants to know what happened to Michael OJ Mudia. The uh, is he a third year corner? Yeah. Third year. I want to say uh, he's a depth guy. I don't, I don't even think he dressed yesterday. Did he Zach? I'm not sure. I know um, Darius Phillips and Asang Bassey got a lot of playing time yesterday. Yeah, I don't think he dressed, dude. I'm looking at the snap count, and there's no OJ Moody on the on the playtime percentage. What happened to him is that he's pretty terrible. He's just not a good cornerback, at least not with this team. It's uh, the curse of the third-round corners. He's joining a list that features Isaac Yadam and uh, Brendan Langley. Yep, indeed. So that's the deal with him. Um, all right, guys, we are about out of time. Um, but there's a few more we got to get to, so we'll rapid fire these. Corey H., great to see you, big dog. He says, I don't know why we should bust the party hats out for a guy being cut who never should have been on the team to begin with. George Payton needs to correct all this quickly or he's out too. It's a good point, Corey. We lamented that when it happened. And if you can recall, Gordon languished on the open market for mm-hmm. months. They signed him the day before the draft, re-signed him the day before the draft, Melvin Gordon. You got to, was that, hey, we've made a decision in the pre-draft war rooms that we're not going to draft a a running back, so we better get someone else in here. That's probably about what it was. They decided there wasn't anyone they loved. They didn't have a first-round pick, so let's go ahead and bring back Gordon when there probably were some better options, but I think, Zach, they got lulled into the devil you know kind of rationale um, with Gordon. Yeah, I hated it then, and I hate it now. And I criticized Peyton for bringing back Melvin Gordon, and what the question is, why him? You know, the, the Titans have Derrick Henry. They still went out and drafted a, a running back behind him in Hassan Haskins, who I liked a lot coming out of college. To me, that's doing it the right way. 
getting a devalued position uh, on a rookie deal for a million bucks a year or less than is the way to go. Not to bring back Melvin Gordon and literally incentivize Gordon to upstage Javante Williams. The incentives they built into his contract were based on performance, not playing time for Gordon. So they actually were rewarding him if he were to step up and be that bell cow. He should have never been in that position. He was always going to be a backup coming into the season because when he is a starter and you have to count on him, you see what happens. He does this with the football. Hey, uh, I I just got pinged from some orders coming in on the merch store. I want to remind everybody, we've kind of gotten out of the habit of of reminding you, but when you order on the merch store and you receive your swag, make sure you email us or DM us or whatever a selfie of you in that gear and we will flex you out and shout you out on our Instagram and, and Mile High Huddle social media. So you know who you are. Appreciate you, your patronage on that too, by the way. Todd Ostendorf, two nights in a row. Dog. Love it. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, Todd. And all the conversation that you bring to the chat every single night. Garth says, fellas, I don't need any swag, and I don't donate a, like a lot of these cats in here. I just want this team to get better like all of us. Let's write, hey, dude, it's just a small thing we'd like to, to do as a thank you. Take it or leave it. It's all good. Just know we appreciate you, big dog. Seriously. You, we know nobody has to, to super chat or throw stars. We appreciate that when you do. It uh, really does help us keep the lights on. Party on, Garth. Party on. That was, though, the MHH podcast for the aftermath of the Broncos' Week 11 loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. Hope you all enjoyed the episode tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MHH Pod, the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch like what we're rocking right now and more go to huddleuppod.com and check it out and facebook.com slash pod. be sure you're liking that page and following that page if you haven't go to apple Podcasts and leave your football pre-state five star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every month but if anything please guys subscribe like and share this video and every video you see on the mhh channel it really helps us grow and reach more broncos fans just like you amen to that a uh, shout out, by the way, there's a few super chat superstars who yesterday we were unable to to get to and we named everybody. But just a reminder, we really appreciate Ted. We really pre- we got Cody, but um, Jay Taylor, uh, Patrick Havener, uh, Michael Ronquillo, you know, you're a legend, big dog. So anyway, we love you. Appreciate you. Shout out to tonight's super chat superstar, Sam Bam, starting us off. Plum Bob, Garth throwing down tonight. Austin, silent one, based case, legendary figure. If you know the lore, you know the lore on based case. Uh, Deanna, thank you, my friend. The Duchess, what what more needs said? Uh, the Duchess is the bomb. Antonio, Todd, and Corey H., much love and respect to each and every one of you. Lawrence, Andrew Lampy on Facebook, DeAngelis, David Vasquez. Seriously, we love and appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, Jason Lang as well. Jason Lang as well um, on Facebook. Stay tuned. We're not 100% sure exactly what Thursday night's show is going to be because it is Thanksgiving. Stay tuned on that front. There will be tons of content, lots of shows between now and then, of course. If for some reason I don't get a chance to talk to you between now and Thanksgiving, have a great one, everybody. And just know that we are grateful and thankful for having you in our community and as a part of MHH and hope you enjoy 
your Thanksgiving this year with friends, family, and have some killer food. Perfectly said, guys. Uh, have a great lead up to your Thanksgiving. If we don't see you Thursday, have a great Thanksgiving. Just remember, it's a game. The Broncos may be sucky for another year, but there's more important things than those orange and blue men out there on the field. But uh, we're done for this evening. We're back on maybe Thursday. We'll let you know the plan for then. Again, have a great week. Have a great Thanksgiving. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.